And so with that, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17, 17 to 24, this is Paul writing, and he says this, Therefore, I say this and testify in the Lord, you should no longer live as the Gentiles live in the futility of their thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. I mean, Paul sounds mad right now, right? He's not. He's just kind of talking truthful measures, all right? And then he says this, They became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. Verse 20, But that's not how you came to know Christ. Assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created, the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of truth. Today, as we continue on in our series, Citizens and Saints, I want to speak to you from the subject, Take the Tags Off. Take the tags off. As we look at removing the old from our lives and putting on the new life that we have in Christ. Will you pray with me just one more time this morning? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive, it's active, and that it's powerful. God, this morning we, we sit here being able to exercise a freedom that many places don't get to exercise because of the sacrifices of men and women. And so I pray this morning as we take a moment of silence this Memorial Day weekend to remember those who have given the ultimate sacrifice their lives, to provide us who sit here this morning with the opportunity to worship by way of our expression, by way of our passion, by way of our faith. God, it's because of their sacrifice that we can do so this morning. And so we do it with gratefulness. We do it with expectancy. And we do so honoring the men and the women who have given their lives to provide this for us. Father, we give honor where honor is due this morning. And so I pray that you would bring peace, that you would bring comfort to those families who remember lost ones this morning, today, this weekend. And so God, we thank you for your word. And it's upon this freedom that we preach today the gospel that brings all of us freedom in our lives. We love you and we worship you. We thank you for this day. I thank you for this amazing church. In Jesus' mighty name, come on and everybody shouted. Amen, amen. I don't know if anybody else has this problem, but my, my wife has, um, has provided to me the sightline to a problem that she apparently has, which is new to, to our marriage. I didn't discover this except but a couple months ago. And so we were, uh, we were at home getting ready for the day, and we were getting dressed, and we were in our bedroom and everything like that. And uh, it's easy for me to pick out clothes. It's jeans and a t-shirt or button up and, and jeans. It's, it's super simple. But for the lady of the house, it's a little bit different, and uh, there's, there's a lot more that goes into it, and guys, you, some of the guys would at least know what I'm talking about. So this particular afternoon, um, as, we're, as we're getting ready, she reaches in her closet, and she pulls out a shirt, and I was like, that's an awesome shirt, and then I realized something amazing about that shirt. It still had the tag on it. Somebody else what I'm talking about, right? This shirt still had the tag on it. And I was like, babe, what is that? When did you get that? And she goes, oh, I, I got that. I got that like a few months ago. And I was like, whoa, stop. Hold on for a second. What do you mean you got that a few months ago? She's like, yeah, I've had this shirt for a while now. And, I'm, and then there's the question that I ask. Why is the tag on it? What are we doing with the tag on the shirt? Because here's how I operate. Article of clothing purchased from the store. 
tag removal placed on body. That is the process of negotiation in my world. When I buy new garments, new clothing, I put them on. I wear them for all to see. That is the joy of new clothes. Apparently, my wife doesn't. She makes a museum out of her closet. To which beautiful shirts that are wearable have tags on them. So apparently no one else but us can see that she's never worn them. And it was in this moment that I had an epiphany. Because right here, Paul the Apostle is saying to every single one of us, there is an old life that is stripped away from us in Christ, and there is a new life that we can actually put on in Christ. And some of us right now in this moment need to take the tags off of this new thing and step into it, wear it. So I want to encourage us this morning, I want to shout this morning, I want us to understand this morning that there is a life that is offered to us in Christ, we just need to take the tags off. We need to remove it from the closet, we need to pop the tags off, and we need to put it on and wear it, all right? So in order to do this, we need to understand some things. So I want to walk us through a little theology journey for just a moment so that we can understand some basic definitions of of some theological truths that we find in Scripture to then move us to a place where we can practically walk through some stuff. Because I want us to be able to walk out of here today being able to go, okay, I can do that. Because if you ever walked out of church before and went like, I don't even know how to do that. Like, I don't know how that doesn't make sense to me. Like, okay, great message, you used big words, but how do I, how do I, like, I actually do this? I want to help us with that today. I want to help, help us actually walk it out. Okay, so the Bible indicates three kind of big theological words. The first one is this, justification. Can everybody shout justification? justification. It's the first word. The second word is this, is sanctification. Everybody shout sanctification? sanctification. Okay, and the last one is this, glorification. Everybody shout Glorification. Okay, so the biblical defining terminology for glorification helps us understand that this is heaven. We ain't there yet, okay? Eternity, everything is made perfect, everything is made completely new. We are in eternity with Christ. We ain't there yet, so we're not going to talk a lot about that. The other two terms are where we get confused a lot and ultimately get frustrated, okay? Because here we're going to read something where Paul says, put on the new self, well, if you're like me, I read that and, you, and, and I quickly think, wait, so you're saying I have to do some work in this, right? And the minute we start thinking that we have to do work in something, we come up with terms like legalism. See, there it is. I'm having to work to earn this. No, 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 no. We don't need to work to earn justification, This is what happens the moment we place our faith, put our yes in Jesus. I am justified. I stand right. I can't get it at Walmart. I can't buy this. I can't perform for this. I can't earn this. No, good work that you do gets this. This is Jesus, Jesus alone. It is the good news. It's the gospel. I am justified in Christ. You can't earn that. So we are, like the Bible says, not saved by works, but rather by faith. All right, but then there's this other word, sanctification, and this is a beautiful word, and this is my definition for sanctification, grace applied daily. How many of you, come on, show of hands, need grace applied daily, right? You've been on the freeway before? Grace applied daily, right? I know in my marriage, we need grace applied daily. In relationships, we need grace applied daily. Come on, somebody in church, we need grace applied daily, right? Why? Because People are involved. (laughs) Someone once said the world would be a great place if it wasn't for people, right? And some of us would love to be marooned on an island. Just do it all by ourselves, we'll be good to go. But the problem is, is that that's not how we've been designed. That's not how we've been created. 
All right? So this new self that, that, that Jesus wants us to walk in, it's this process of sanctification. Paul would say it like this, work out your salvation daily. Daily. In other words, it's a new beginning day after day. Every single day I have to choose to put on this new self. Every single day I've got to walk into my closet, I've got to put on what Jesus has provided. I've got to take the tags off, I've got to put it on, and I've got to walk it out. And I'm going to make some mistakes along the way, I'm going to screw some stuff up along the way, but the next day, right, his mercies are new every morning, right? Every single day I have a moment to come to the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, I'm a knucklehead, I need you, let's work it out today. I've got to put it on. So now, with that basic understanding, we know when Paul says to put it on, he's not saying you're working for something. He's saying you're working something out. Did you hear that? I'm not working to earn something. I'm working things out. Come on, anybody else like me, you're working some stuff out? That's me. I'm not a perfect person. We say this all the time around here at the well. There's not an ounce of perfection in this building. Just a bunch of process. (laughs) Just a bunch of process. We are all in process. So I want to help us figure out the process. I want to help us work the process out. And so I'm going to give us some practical measures. You may say, how do we work this out? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. All right? So I need your help this morning with that. I need everybody to shout number one. Number one, the first thing that we need to understand, four things you need to remember about walking out the newness that Christ has provided for us. The first one is this. New positions require new patterns. New positions require new patterns. This is the NIV version that I'm going to read from right now. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 and it says this, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then and only then will you be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect I want somebody to hear this. God has a perfect will for you. Not that you would be perfect, but that his will for you is perfect. Why? Because he's a good God. He's a good, good father. It's who he is. You've heard the song maybe before. Or this is the 11 a.m., so none of you have heard it. Um, (laughs) He's a good, good father. How many of you know patterns are important? Patterns are about consistency, repetition, and the things that we learn to focus on day in and, and day out. And for many of us, the frustrations that we face in life, the setbacks that life brings our way, are caused not because the world is against us or because people are against us, but because our patterns are against us. Our very own patterns. And that's why Paul says, you got to take off the new or the old. you got to take off the old, get rid of the old, because there's patterns associated with the old. I want you to step into the new and start working out patterns out of the newness that you have in me. New patterns. New behaviors. I love the beginning of the year. Because everybody starts doing what? Making new patterns. Right? I'm going to work out. Right? <laughs> and they do that every time. <laughs> I'm going to work out. I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to read a lot more books. Like one of my New Year's resolutions was just to get smarter. Right? (laughs) I just need to get smarter. Right? We have all these things. And I want to start establishing patterns. I have a big book list. There's like 18 books on my list this year that I was going to try to get through. I've got through none of them. (laughs) And I've started five other books that weren't even on the list. So I'm just going to hijack those books and just lie and say that they were on the list. All right? (laughs) 
but I'm, I want new patterns for our family. We, we have new patterns that had to, to be birthed as she gave birth to another kiddo. So with a nine-month-old in our house now, we've had new patterns. But where this is even more accurate is the patterns that we establish for our kids at the beginning of the year. Now, I know not everybody has kids in here, so for those of you who don't have kids, here's what you have to look forward to. Just a preface to this. Parents around the world right now are depressed because summer started. (laughs) All the parents said amen, all right? And so because of that, we're trying to figure out new moments and, and, and new patterns for our life. And so at the beginning of the year, when school started, Erica and I laid down very strict patterns in our home. This is how it goes. This is what we do. This is how we're going to make it happen. Our kids, especially our 7- and 8-year-old, they're working through different things. They're learning to make their breakfast. They're learning not to kill each other. They're learning how to put their clothes on right, okay? That's the pattern of our household. Summertime comes upon us, and all of a sudden, our kids decide, they decide, not we, they decided, eh, forget the patterns. We've laid down rules as to where they can go and not go, patterns. And so yesterday, my daughter is having her seventh birthday, and uh, I was getting ready to take my boy and my youngest daughter out of the house because I don't do all-female seventh-year-old birthdays, because pretty much it's just little estrogen bombs walking around the house that any moment can explode, and when they do so, there is massive collateral damage. And so I was like, we're bouncing, we're out of here. And so I grabbed my little daughter and my son, who I thought was in the house, and we both turned around and we said, where's Justice? Justice is my boy's name. And we're looking around, and uh, like a good dad, I just spun a circle looking around for him. I was like, where is he? Um, so we're looking for him, so we go outside, thought he was with one of the, with the neighbor boys. And as we walked outside, the neighbor kid's bike was laying on the ground in the cul-de-sac, like up on the sidewalk. And it was that moment that every bad thought starts going through your mind, right? And then we start to kind of like peel into a little bit of frantic. So I'm the dad that's in the middle of the cul-de-sac yelling at the top of his lungs, right? Not walking anywhere, just yelling. And we're sending other people to go look for him. And so, so we're yelling, justice, justice. And we're looking around for him. And, and minutes, minutes, which felt like 20 to 30 minutes, but apparently it was way less than that. Um, but the fish was this big. So we're out there. We're yelling. We're shouting. And we're trying to look for him. And so Kais is driving around. All these little girls are showing up. Ah, right? And just the stress level is rising exponentially. And now the panic starts to set in. Because enough minutes had gone by where we then started to think to ourselves, Justice is gone, and this other neighborhood kid is, is gone. Where did they go? So I hop in the car. We're driving around looking for him. And so after all this time, all of a sudden, the neighbor sees the kids in the other neighborhood, out, like outside of all the backyards on the other side of the neighborhood. And that's when I changed from scared to demonic. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> <laughs> right? Everything changes. You're like, I'm going to kill this kid. <laughs> He's done. <laughs> so I hop in the car, and of course, it's in that moment where you have complete rain to do whatever you want. So I pedal the metal and, <laughs> and take off down the road. The other dad's on his bike and was trying to beat me, so we raced for a little bit. That was fun. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so we got to the other side of the neighborhood, and I pull in, and I roll down the window, and I give, I'm going somewhere with all of this. Trust me, Okay. I roll down the window and I give him the dad eye. And I just stare at him. And then I point at him. This. Of course, he comes walking to the car like everything was roses. He's like. (laughs) 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 
So I get him into the car. I roll up all the windows so the neighbors <laughs> would not hear the expletives from the pastor. And so, so I turn around to him and I say, son, what are you thinking? What are you doing? And he looks at me dead straight. Dad, I was just, I was chasing the dunks so I could shoot them. And I look, he's got his Nerf gun in his hand. The kid was chasing ducks. Last week it was geese. And I'm like, son, what is it with you and waterfowl? Like, what are we doing here? So we take him inside. He's crowned for the day. And it was in that moment that I had to reestablish some patterns for my son's life. And here's what I've come to realize, that many of our lives are a lot like that justice moment with ducks. We go wandering off because we decided, oh, I'm good. I don't need the patterns that keep me safe anymore. I can just go do my thing. And all of a sudden, I end up somewhere where I'm not supposed to be and feeling something that I'm not supposed to be feeling and experiencing something that I'm not supposed to be experiencing, all because I decided that the patterns weren't needed anymore. But the word of God is telling us, listen, if we want to live the life, the new life that Jesus has for us, we've got to establish new patterns that go with our new position in Christ. You want new life? We need new patterns. We need new patterns. So we're just talking about reestablishing. So here's the important question we need to ask today. What former patterns need to be removed from my life? And I'm not exempt from this. Every single day, I've got to stop and I've got to go, what patterns am I, am I living according to? And then the next question, what new patterns need to be established? What new patterns need to be established to keep me living the new life? So the first thing that we need to understand about this new life is that new positions, this new life, require new patterns. Number two, ever shout number two? The second one is this, new positions require new perspectives. New positions require new perspectives. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 16 through 18. It says this. Therefore, we do not give up. If you just like blank out for the rest of this message, just hear that. Don't give up. All right? Don't give up this morning. Keep on pushing. Keep on believing. Keep on walking out this thing that God has for you. So therefore, we don't give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed. You ever felt like that before? Our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. And then this is what Paul says. He says, so we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. New positions require new perspective. And new perspectives are so important if we're going to walk out this new life in Christ. I've come to realize that when we are focused on the things that are right in front of us, this is what we look like in life. You ever been there before? How many of you would agree with me that if you saw somebody walking around like this at the airport or the mall, you might have to laugh at them for a few minutes? Right? Like this is what we look like when everything that we focus on, everything our perspective is involved with is right here in front of us. And God's saying, if you're going to walk out the new life, you've got to open your eyes, lift up your head, broaden your perspective and see that I'm doing things that you can't even perceive right now until you change the focus. Until you change the perspective. We've got to see things differently. And when we see things differently, I know this is deep, it changes how we see. <laughs> Took me all my Bible college to come up with that one right there, right? <laughs> 
We change our perspectives, we change our sight line. So how do we establish new perspectives? I wanna, I wanna help us out with that really quick. Establishing new perspectives looks like this. The first thing that establishes new perspectives in our life, the Bible. I know, shocker, right? But it's true. If you ever have, if you ever want your old perspectives rocked, just start reading the Bible. I've never found a more penetrating and life-altering book than the Bible. It's the word of God, and when held up to my life as a mirror, it quickly cuts to the core of who I am. And I want us to hear something this morning. The Bible is meant to be a mirror, not a tool of judgment. Did you hear me this morning? But this is what we have a tendency to do. We have a tendency to walk around like this. That's you, Devon. (laughs) Have you seen you? Eric, have you seen you? It's gross. <laughs> right? But it's not meant to be a tool of judgment. It's meant to be a mirror of reflection. And when I read the Bible, all of a sudden I start to see what God sees about me, what God sees in me, what God wants to do through me. This is not supposed to, it's not meant to be a scary, scary thing for us. But many of us are scared to hold the mirror up to our life because of what we may see in it. But have you ever looked in the mirror and like scared yourself before? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I've been there before. I'm just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and sometimes it does that, but we need to read the Bible. And you don't have to read it for an hour a day. You don't have to like know the Greek and the Hebrew. You don't have to study it like that. Just five minutes in God's word. His voice, just the smallest little voice will change the largest amount of us. Watch what, what the Bible says about the Bible. Hebrews 4, 12 through 13, it says this, for the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. I know, weighty piece of scripture. The writer of Hebrews is simply saying, look, it's a mirror. And we hold it up to ourselves, we're able to look at ourselves and go, okay, this is what I see, but at the same time, I get to go, what does God see? I see me in my old self. God sees me in my new self. Which tells me that there's power provided for me in order to stand in this new position. I just got to take off the old and put on the new. Come on, somebody. I got to take off the old and I got to put on the new. Is there anybody in this church this morning that wants to take off the old and put on the new? Because I know that I want to. I want to live the new life. But like all of us, it's a, it's a process. So the first thing that we need to do in order to get a new perspective, read the Bible. Second thing, this is not in the Bible. It's just an opinion. It's a thought. But it may help you. Journal. Journal. And I know, especially for us dudes, like not our most favorite thing. Like none of the guys woke up this morning and said, I think I'll journal today, right? (laughs) And maybe some of you did. (laughs) I'm with you, right? Journaling is so important. Write things down. I write things down all the time and then go back to look at things from the past. I write about how I see things, how I feel about things. I compare and contrast those things. And then I work to establish better perspective. Because when I can see some of the things in the past, have you ever looked back in the past and went, that was weird. That was, oh, I don't, how did I think that way? How did I talk that way? How did I behave that way? How did I work that way? How did I do those things? 
But again, it's not meant to make us feel bad. It's meant to help us gain new insight and perspective. Because I can go, man, I don't want to think that way anymore. I want to think this way. I don't want that perspective anymore. I want, I want this new perspective. And you know what's something interesting about perspective? I want to help all the married couples in the house today. Perspective will change your marriage. It will change your marriage. Eric and I have been married for almost 14 years. We've known each other for 20 plus years. She laid her eyes on me in fifth grade and it was game over. <laughs> so we've known each other for a very, very long time. And so it would be easy for us, and maybe many of you couples might understand this, especially if you've been married for a while or know each other really well. It would be easy to see each other in old ways. And the reason that many of us have friction in our relationships, our marriage, is because we have a tendency to view people in old ways and in new perspective. You want to change your relationships? You want to change your marriages? You want to change how you do things? Change your sight line on people. Start seeing them in their new self, the self that God has for them. And when you do that, it'll change your marriage. It'll change the game. And Eric and I have so many moments where we can go back. Oh, you always think like that. You always talk like that. You always see like that. You always... You or we can look at each other in a new perspective. God, I see what God's doing in your heart. I see how God's changed you here, 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 and here. And all of a sudden, it makes our relationship progressive, not regressive. Changes the game. And we do that through journaling, looking down at the past. And so much of the defeat that we experience in life is because we've not established new, fresh, and Christ-centered perspectives for our lives. And journaling can help us put down in front of ourselves what we see so that we can see what we see in order to change what we see. And the third thing that we can do to give us new perspective is enlist help. Enlist help. Proverbs eleven fourteen says this, Without guidance, a people fall. But with many counselors, there is deliverance. Come on, somebody. Get the right voices in your life. It's important. I have, I have so many people in my life, not like just acquaintances, but like people in my life, many of them sitting in this room this morning, that have a voice in my life to help me with perspective. Because come on, if you're like me, you quickly understand, we have blind spots. We can't see everything. We're not meant to see everything. That's why with counselors, I can come to some of my closest, most trusted people whose perspectives as well are based upon Jesus and say, what do you see that I'm not seeing? And then I, I hear their voice, and sometimes it's like, oh, I don't like you. <laughs> oh, that kind of hurt. But how many of you know what hurts us many times makes us better? Especially a voice from somebody who's saying, look, I see what you don't see, but I also see what God sees in you, and I want to see this happen in you. And so I'm going to offer you a perspective that's aligned with Jesus' heart so that you can step into the journey and the process and the purpose that's also aligned with Jesus' heart. New perspective. And so we need the Bible, we need journaling, we need voices in our lives. Why? Because new positions require new perspectives. Everybody shout number three. The third one is this. New positions require new parameters. New positions require new parameters. Psalm 16, 5 through 11. This is probably one of the most encouraging psalms that there is. I love this psalm. It's one of my favorites. Listen to what it says. It says, Lord, you are my portion. And my cup of blessing. You hold my future. The boundary lines have fallen for me. Where? In pleasant places. 
The parameters of my life have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who counsels me, even at night when my thoughts trouble me. I always let the Lord guide me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. And therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My body also rests securely. Why? For you will not abandon me to shield. You will not allow your faithful one to see decay. You reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. And at your right hand are eternal pleasures. I love that. New positions require new parameters. And the parameters that have, set, have been set by God in our life, where are they at? They're in pleasant places. Let's just be honest. If you're like me, I struggle with my faith sometimes. Oh, I know the pastor said that. Why? Because I'm a human being. And one of the reasons that we struggle with our faith at times is because of this. We believe that the parameters that God has set in our life are destructive for a life, rather than what they really are, instructive for a life. As a father, I thank God for parameters around high places when I take my kids to them. Right? As a father, it's so important to me, and I thank God that there are painted lines on the road indicating the right direction for lanes of traffic. I am thankful for stop signs and cliff warnings and beware of snakes. And what is true for the natural is true for our souls, yet so many times we wander through life trying to live out the new life that we have in Christ, void of any new parameters setting the boundary lines for this new life. One author put it this way, you need boundaries. Even in our material creations, boundaries mark the most beautiful places between the ocean and the shore, between the mountains and the plains where the canyon meets the river. Boundaries, parameters, and we shake when we talk about boundaries. Boundaries. Because I'm wired to live free. Right? I just want to be free. I just want to live in complete and total bliss and, and freedom. But how many of you know that so many times in life when we wander freely, we hurt ourselves freely. We bump into things that we are actually never meant to bump into. My little daughter, nine month old, she just started crawling. So our life has changed as we know it. We have this fireplace and there's tile, like hard rocky tile and big old like kind of like, I don't even know what the wooden thing around the fireplace is. It's a wood thing around the fireplace. And, um, and so she's now crawling and she's now like starting to stick her hand in the fireplace and, and she's still a little top heavy, like her head's still bigger than her body. And so she has a tendency when she gets onto hard places to like just not get the balance right and face plant right in, into things. And so what we said yesterday is we need to get a gate around the fireplace. We need to get some parameters around the fireplace. Why? So that she can stay safe. Not because I'm going like, well, you know, I just want to stop my daughter from enjoying the hardships of the fireplace. I mean, I'm a really bad dad because I want to protect her from what can hurt her. And this is why the Bible refers to us as children of God. Because he engages with our life as a father who wants to be protective, not keep you from something. He actually wants you to be able to step into, come on somebody, the new life. 
And so the new life, the new position that we find ourselves in in Christ, it requires new parameters. And number four, the last one is this. Every shot, number four? Number four. New positions require new partnerships. New positions require new partnerships. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 1 to 4 says this. When David had finished speaking with Saul, Jonathan was bound to David in close relationship. Now there's something very important because we can read that and we can go, oh, well, they're just, they were just friends. But there's something a lot more going on here. So if you haven't read uh, 1 Samuel at all, we see David. David was to be the new king. He was going to take over from Saul. Saul was Jonathan's father. And so the way that hierarchical measure worked out is that Jonathan was actually the right in line, the heir to the throne. But see, God had a different plan. He was lifting up David. He had anointed David to take the throne, to be the king. And something powerful happens right here because Jonathan starts to see what God sees in David. And because Jonathan was a good friend, because he was a new partnership, he looked at David and he says, I care more about the new life that God has for David that I'm going to submit myself to God's plan and come into partnership with David to see God's plan work out. And then watch what it says. So Saul kept David with him from that day and did not let him return to his father's house. Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as much as himself. Then Jonathan, watch what he did. He removed the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his military tunic, his sword, his bow, and his belt. I find it interesting that Jonathan himself took off his old to give it to David to put on as his new. That's partnership. Someone once said this, and it's a quote that's rattled my heart ever since I heard it. They said this, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Show me your partnerships, and I'll show you your future. So many of us are partnered with old partners trying to step in to the new thing that God has for us, and we're playing this game. You ever felt like this before? Ah, I want, I want this new thing, but I've got old partnerships. I want this new life, but I have old partnerships. And we're constantly playing tug of war between the two. It doesn't mean that you don't love old partnerships and you don't love your friend. You know, that's not what we're saying. We're just simply saying you've got to understand that at a certain point, I'm going to have to remove myself from certain situations and link arms with some people that are going to be able to take me into new situations. That I've got a new place that God has for me and I need some people in my life that see the new place and they're going to walk with me to the new place and they're going to encourage me to the new place and they're going to help me get into the new place and they're going to say hey listen you've got some new things that God has for you and they're going to challenge and push and drive and believe I wonder if you have those partnerships excited about this I'm passionate about this because I listen to so many people I talk to so many people that are like, I'm frustrated that I'm not stepping into the new. The question is, who you partnered with? Who you partnered with? Who's in your corner? Who's wiping the sweat off your brow when you're doing battle in life? Ever seen those guys before? Who's helping fix you up when you get injured? 
Who's help, helping strength train you when you gotta do some reps in order to be prepared for the battle in front of you? Who are your partnerships? We need them and we need new ones. But here's something that some of us may not know, see, or understand as well. Not only is it new natural partnerships, but there's a heavenly partnership. His name is Jesus Justin. Pastor Justin said it this morning. Jesus said, come, all you, oh, this is good news, all, all you who are weary and heavy laden. He says, I will give you rest. And then he says this, he says, take my burden upon you for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And you may be like, well, what's Jesus talking about eggs for? He's not talking about eggs. A yoke was an apparatus that they placed over the necks of two oxen. They had to be in equal stature. Because if you had one oxen who wasn't strong enough and another strong oxen, then invariably they would just go in circles. This is why the Bible says, do not be unequally yoked. Why? Have you ever felt like this in life before? But Jesus is saying, listen, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke. Why? Because in my strength, you'll stop spinning circles and you'll start walking the new life. It's the partnership with him that changes everything. And it's not a burden and it's not heavy. It's full of grace, joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control. It is the fruit of the Spirit. You want the new life? You want to walk in the new life? Get yoked up with Jesus. New positions require new partnerships. I wonder what the yoke is on your life. Some of us have been yoked up with our past. Some of us have been yoked up with our addictions. Some of us have been yoked up with the abuse that happened when we were a kid. Some of us have been yoked up with the faith that hurt us. Some of us have been yoked up with our insecurity. Some of us have been yoked up with our fear. We've just been spinning circles. And Jesus says, uh-uh, this Memorial Day weekend, why don't we yoke up together so we can walk this line that I have for you, this new life that I have for you. And it's in the new life that we find all the blessings that God has for us. His name is Jesus. And his cross has the final word.